Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12, as we come now to the sixth spiritual gift that are listed out for us in Romans 12. We are in a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts, but we've paused. We've paused for a little sub-series in equipping us with the spiritual gifts for service. God is doing a new thing in our church. He's doing a new thing in our hearts, and we're grateful for that, and we want to be equipped We want to learn what our gifts are, and then we want to use them because the Holy Spirit wants to place you in the very specific position that he has ordained for you. That's where you're going to be the most effective and the most fruitful is when you are operating in the spiritual gift that God has given to you, the primary spiritual gift, and then understanding that other gifts are going to overlap in your life. And God has given to us at least one of these seven spiritual gifts. And I want to draw your attention again to verse 6 by way of review in Romans 12, where Paul writes, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching... He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. So the Bible teaches us it's the Holy Spirit that distributes each of these gifts. And so it it really helps us not only to know where we belong, but also not to be jealous of other people or covetous of where a person's serving or what they're doing or what are they doing and what am I not doing. I can just be right in my lane. I know where God wants me. I know how God wants to use me. And and that's where great joy is going to come for my life and yours as well. And we learned by way of review that these seven gifts represent the fullness of the ministry of Jesus Christ. You could say that as these seven gifts operate in his church, it is as if Jesus would be here through us, continuing his ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's no longer with us physically, but he's left the church on the earth today, as we've learned, to be the church. And the way that we are the church is through exercising these giftings, individually and corporately. Now, Remember, we have not attached a verb to the truth as we've looked at each one of these gifts so we can remember primarily what they are. So as we go through them, remember prophecy is declaring the truth. Ministry or service is practicing the truth. Teaching is explaining the truth. Exhortation is applying the truth. And then finally, we learned last time, giving is supporting the truth. And now we come to the sixth gift in this list, the gift of leading. Or sometimes you might hear this gift referred to as the gift of administration or administrating and how important it is. 
The gift of leading is both a verbal and a nonverbal gift, and we're going to use the word organizing. We're going to say that leading, the gift of leading is organizing the truth. Because the word leading means to stand before. And the idea of leading is that you are taking the lead in following Christ, knowing that people will be following you as you stand before others. And it's important that we understand that leading is servanthood. We don't need more bosses in the church. We don't need more managers in the church. What we need is more servants. However, there are unique men and women in the church that take more of a leadership role because that's what God has given you. He has given you this gift. Now, this gift refers to those that are gifted by God to organize and administrate God's work. It could be in a single area of ministering, like ushering or something that needs oversight and direction, or it could be in many different areas of ministry all at the same time. The gift of leading is a gift of administration or overseeing, and here's the broader definition. God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to motivate, inspire, organize, and direct others in the work of the kingdom. So the person with the gift of leading is often skilled with areas of management. But I need to pause here as we're looking at a spiritual gift. I don't want you to confuse the spiritual gift with the way the world does things. This, the, 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 the church doesn't need managers. We don't need to just step into things and manage things and oversee things. And, you know, like the world, the world has changed very subtly the way the business world has changed. They, you know, the, if, you get in, if you have a need at work, where do you go? You go to human resources. That's how the world sees you. You're just a resource. You're just someone or something that we're going to use and maybe throw a few dollars your way so that we can accomplish some other goal for some other reason. That's not the church. The church is not a business. And you need to understand that. No matter the size of your church, no, no matter how small or as it's getting larger, the church is not a business. It is the very life-giving organism of Jesus Christ on the earth today. The church is not a business, but people. However, there is a need for leadership and oversight, just not like the world does it. Jesus said that. He says, you know how the world does it. You know how the Gentiles, they like to lord over and they like to lead one way, but it's not going to be so among you. So as you hear some of these perspectives, whether you have the gift or you're serving with someone that has the gift, don't let the, defini- don't let the words and the worldly definitions of those words throw you. There is a spiritual definition of management, and that is overseeing as servants. So the greater the, the, greater the responsibility you have, the more service that's required from you. Okay, are you guys with me so far? Five people are here, so let me start over. Stick with me because there's a lot of information, but don't plug in definitions from the way you were taught in the world. Don't do that because that's not the gifting from the Lord. So there is a need of management and organizing, and that's where this gift comes in. A person with this gift tend to be very organized themselves, organized people. They like to coordinate complicated activities or ministries. Someone with this gift can walk into the room or walk into a situation and see all of the chaos and automatically in their mind start to bring organization to it. It's almost like this. They think this. If I was in charge, I would. 
Well, I love to hear those words if you're in charge, because then I go, do you want to be in charge? Because we need somebody to fix all this. And that's your gifting. That's your gifting. So, someone with this gifting is often motivated by goals. They are very goal-oriented and task-oriented person. And I'll tell you why. Goals bring them to the end of something so they can start something else. And tasks help them see the accomplishment along the way. So where you may not have this gift and you walk in, you see all this chaos. You're like, I can't believe all this. Someone with this gift sees the chaos, tasks it out with an end goal so we can move on. And so they bring order to it and move forward. You may even see them walking around with a notepad out, jotting notes of what they see. They may have their phone open and you think they're playing Angry Birds, but they're actually just putting a task list So this, 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 what we do here is we teach all the pastors in the front of their Bibles, we give them these post-it note pictures, uh, or not pictures, but paper that we stick in the front of our Bible. So whatever they see along the way, they just jot it down so that we can talk about what we jot down and get it fixed. And you can do that without the gift of administration, but this is my, one of my, I'm always wrestling what my primary gift is. Is it pastor, teacher, or is it administration? Uh, I tend to think it's going to be pastor teacher because of the role that he gave me, um, but I can't help but exercise the gift of administration. That is just how God wired me. I can't help but then take something and teach you uh, and explain to you, and I can be very wordy in that because that's my gifting. That's how God has used me. And so you may see this in your own life where you're organizing all the time. You like to make to-do lists. And over and over, to do this, you're, you, know, you may have post-it notes all over your office, to do, to do, to do, to do, and now you need a to-do list to finish all your to-do lists. That's just how it goes. Those with the gift of leading are also known as self-starters. They initiate things. They aren't waiting for people to tell them what to do. They're not waiting to, oh man, I don't want to step on any toes. They just go, man, I'm going to step on toes if I need to because I'm going to get this done. They're also known as someone that would pay very close attention to details, to things that other people don't see. Not only do they know the details, but they also know what details they want to know. So they they not only know where they're headed, but they also know what the future might look like, and they're really living in that realm of details. For you, without this gift, they scare you a little bit because they have so many thoughts. It's overwhelming. You, you think of one thing and they think of a hundred and it's a little intimidating. If you have the gift of leading, you're also very resourceful. You're also very resourceful. You know how to get what is needed and you know how to get it when it's needed so you can finish the task. You're also a very committed person. Your yes is a yes and your no is a no and you value that. You're committed. You're not known as someone that quits. You're not known as someone that's flaky. Or you just, you know, don't show up or don't finish what you started. You're a stick-with-it kind of person. And you don't usually give up that easily if you give up at all. And instead of giving up, you usually won't go to bed without figuring out a solution or the best way to finish the job or what people do I need or what resources do I need. With the gift of leading, again, we're defining some of the personality traits, you enjoy getting a job done as quickly and as smoothly as possible so that when the next time it comes up, it'll be even easier and more successful. We actually use a tool here as a staff, as a team, 
After any big event or after any thing that we do here, we'll sit down as a team and we'll do, I, I brought it with me from the corporate world, but I adjusted it for the church. We, we do something that's called a SWOT analysis. Some of you might be familiar with that, where we look at four things of every event. Uh, we look at what went well. Uh, the SWOT is S-W-O-T, by the way. It means strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But the way we apply it here is what went well, we want to repeat that. What didn't go well, we want to avoid that and improve that. What really went bad that we can never do again? And what does it take? And then was there anything there that would be harmful to the name of Christ? Would be something that, you know, did something happen that we really want to watch out for because it's in the super serious category that would bring uh, the name of Jesus Christ into some reproach? We don't want that. And it's a very challenging meeting to sit in on when you're there with your team because you have to be willing to receive feedback. You can't be personally offended by someone's feedback, of, especially if you were personally responsible for that area. And then on the other side of the table, you know what really didn't work this week, this thing was X, Y, and Z. And if you're not careful, you can be all upset because somebody gave some feedback on what you did. Now, the way the world speaks in this realm is not feedback. It's the phrase constructive criticism. I'm sure that if I ask, hey, uh, how many of you are open to constructive criticism? Many of you are. But I don't like that phrase, personally. I don't like it at all. I don't like it being used. And I don't use it myself. Because even if something is constructive, it's still taking the bent of criticism. And there's no room for criticism when someone's serving the Lord. Like they're seeking the Lord, even if great mistakes were made. I, I don't like constructive criticism. I don't want to hear your constructive criticism. But I do invite this. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your feedback. I invite you to give feedback and I invite you to give your observations so that we can pray through them and we can learn from them. But I'm not interested in all your criticism because criticism just kind of, whether it's constructive or not, it just pierces the heart. But feedback gives freedom in a relationship, in a love relationship in Christ that we could talk about hard things and we just make the commitment, I will not be personally offended by you trying to help me with your observations. A person with the gift of leadership, this gifting lives in that realm all the time. They're always drawing information and wanting to improve. Like you even, you, you know, if you uh, minister with somebody with the gift of leadership and you did something and you know you just hit a home run with it, you just did the best that you could and it just seemed like everything, you, you may not, you, don't be surprised if someone with the gift of leadership saw the same exact thing and saw three different ways to improve it. It's not to say you didn't do a good job. It's just how they're wired. This is the way God made them. And we need you in the body of Christ. We need that eye for excellence. We need that organizing part. Men and women with the gift of leading often would be, be able to see the big picture when other people don't see the big picture. Or another phrase you might be familiar with, they see things in 360. 360, that means a full picture. Like, like for example, if, if we were talking about how the placement of this podium, this pulpit on the stage, and, and we were going to, hey, let's take a 360 approach to it. They would walk around the whole thing and see this side, and see this corner, and see this screen, and see this corner, and see this side, and see this, and see inside, and see down here, and all the wires. And some of you are like, I don't, I don't really even care about any of that. You're probably not gifted with the gift of leading. That's okay. But to take a whole approach and where does it fit and how does it work in every area of ministry? Here at Calvary, we spend a lot of time behind the scenes 
taking care of what, everything that I'm talking about right now so that when you show up here in the place of worship, you can fully worship God and not worry about any of it. It's a lot of work behind the scenes in order for us to create an environment so that you can truly worship God without distraction or the least amount of distractions. And it takes a few people with the gift of leadership to make that happen. Because people with this gift are organized, they want to know what's up ahead. They want to know what's coming because they like to plan. They're often good planners. Now, before we move on to see how it operated in the life of Jesus, I want to pinpoint just one attribute of this gift that's very important. Those gifted with the gift of leadership tend to be very good people persons. They tend to be very good with people. They just work well with people. In the world, you might say that they have good customer relations or they're the kind of boss that you want to work with, that you will go. I know when I was uh, working in the corporate world and they would move me from office to office, there would always be two or three people that would come with me. And I'd invite them and they'd say, yes, I want to work for you. I don't care where you are, how far we need to drive. We want to keep this team together. And so it's important that you realize this gifting is operated within the realm of people. The whole purpose of the church is to connect you with other people so you can connect other people with the gospel, with Jesus. And if you're not a good people person, you will not experience this gift being exercised. It won't work. Even if you get a few things done, even if you get, I have met people that say they have this gift, but they have been horrible with people and they got things done, but it wasn't from the Lord. Don't confuse getting things done because with this, operating, this gift operating. Don't, I'm, I'm trying to formulate this. Don't confuse getting things done while people are getting hurt with the spiritual gift of leadership because the spiritual gift of leadership is getting things done people first. You guys understand that? So I just made that up in my head right now, so hopefully it came out clear. But it's not like made up. It's like it's reality. Like, like I've seen people that give the administration just plow through people. You know, we're, we got Buckley up here, and so you, you have that military background and, and just barking orders and bossing. I know even in the military, there's a sense where there's people I would like to serve in their authority, and there's people I don't like to serve. Like, the, the church doesn't need a bunch of military people barking orders and telling people what to do, because they'll get it done, but then you're not working with them. You're not serving them. You're not checking on their lives. You're not praying for them. We don't need somebody that just can get things done. We need men and women that are operating in this gift, getting things done as unto the Lord. So we never want to forget that. This gift is directly connected with you being good with people, caring about them, loving them, shepherding them. And so what that means is, is this particular gifting operates where you have the ability to see jobs that need to get done and you motivate others and you, what, we, what we would call here, raise up people in the ministry, disciple them, and help them discern their gifts and help people find where they need to plug in. And it's just an amazing thing. So oftentimes, um, assistant pastors have this gift. They administrate a church but really love people. And they do a lot of desk work, but they're doing desk work with the idea of ministering and helping people. So let's look at it in the life of Jesus. Would you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6? So we're following the same pattern, all the gifts. 
So let's look at this, and I'm going to show you a very familiar passage of Scripture that you may have read hundreds of times and never noticed the gift of administration inside of it as Jesus gives direction. So go with me to Mark chapter 6, and when you get there, go to verse 38. Mark chapter 6 in verse 38. This is the feeding of the 5,000. It's a big problem or a big need. There are hungry people. Jesus doesn't want to send them away hungry. Uh, But how do you feed 5,000? Or if they have wives and kids with them, how do you feed 10,000 people uh, with very little resources? So notice what in verse 38 it says, uh, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So he immediately sees the problem and starts to address it. We need to find out what we have. That's a natural, I mean, I think any of us would come up with that kind of, I mean, maybe not. Maybe some of you would come with this and go, oh, we can never do this. We can never do this. What are we doing? Why are we here? They're going to be so mad at us. But Jesus said, no, we got a problem. What do we have? And then notice what he says. <clears throat> it says, they came back. They said they have five uh, and two fish. And it says, well, how many loaves do you have? Five and two fish, verse 39. And they commanded them to make them all sit down, notice, in groups on the green grass. And they sat down, and it's even greater groups, in ranks, in hundreds, and in fifties. So he immediately, the direction, remember Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. So in his humanity here, he sets it up. And he goes, we got a lot of people here. Let's, let's, let's take this big group and make it smaller groups because it'll be easier to deal with smaller groups. So make them sit down, find out what we have because he already knows he's gonna, the, the miracle is going to happen. But he's also helping the disciples and just, uh, training them. Get them in groups. It's going to be easier to feed them. We'll know when we finish. Uh, if we finish one group and go on to the next group, go on to the next group. And he just organizes the whole thing that fast. He didn't sit down and do the math and get out a pencil, you know, and a calculator. It's like, hey, I know how I'm going to do this, and this is what I want you to do. And you see it repeated even in uh, Luke chapter 9 with this same thing. And, and if you look carefully, especially those of you who have the gift of administration, you'll see it operating in Jesus a lot. Remember, all seven giftings operated in Jesus because they represent him. But you'll see it all over. You'll see how organized he is, how focused he is, and we know in First Corinthians, we learn the character of God is that he is a God that loves things done decently and in order. And this is just the heartbeat of God. He loves things. He doesn't like disorder. He doesn't like disorder. One of the reasons is uh, that the devil loves to fish in troubled waters. He loves to fish in disorganized, messy, chaotic situations where your guard is down. And God says, no, I want things done decently in order God says to us, I want you to do the best that you can with what you have. I want you to do it with excellence and give God your best, not your second or third best. Now, where did it operate in the New Testament? Number three, uh, we're already in Acts chapter six and we see it operating in the leadership in Acts chapter six when there was a difficulty with the widows and the church was at a crossroads, a great difficulty. There's a lot of complaining and murmuring and fighting and infighting. What did the disciples do? They stood up. They, they started to organize the whole thing. Hey, we can't leave teaching. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. But you know, we need help. So here's how we're going to get that help. I want you to find these men. 
and then when you find them, I want you to put them through a vetting process. And this is it. I want you to look at their character. Make sure they're men with, filled with the Holy Spirit. Men of wisdom. You, they gave the criteria. And then they gave training to them on how they're going to distribute everything. And then the problem was solved. And you read through in the free verses, you don't see it. But I totally see it. Each piece of the ingredient of the direction was an administrative organizing direction so that the problem might be solved. Let me give you another one um, that's not from the New, Coven- New Testament, but from the Old Testament. People with the gift of administration really love the life of Nehemiah. He was a gifted leader. Now remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the characteristics that are given to us through the Holy Spirit, they were given to men and women too in the Old Testament. And Nehemiah, man, remember he came, he came with this great monumental task to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple, to organize the people that had just given up on God and just let everything go into disrepair. And Nehemiah came back to motivate them, stir them, uh, encourage them, and direct them. And so people with the gift of administration just love the book of Nehemiah because it is all about getting things done in the Lord. And you may want to read it yourself just to say, maybe I have this gift. Well, read Nehemiah and see if he doesn't encourage you. I love Nehemiah. He is one of those brothers that you would want in your life so that you can, he can lead you. I love to follow men like Nehemiah. I love to follow men and women that have this gifting, that know where we're going and we're willing to take us there. Okay, as we wind down, again, we're going to end a little early today because we're going to end sitting at the table with Jesus at communion. But before we do that, let's look at some hazards or some dangers or some personality traits you want to watch out for. So they're in no particular order. Number one, if you have this gifting, you risk planning the Holy Spirit out of things. You risk planning the Holy Spirit out of things. And, and what I mean by that is that you just get so caught up in getting things done that you forget about people. You forget about the empowering and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your, your task list is far more important than the Spirit. Or getting something done is far more important than prayer. And you could easily run roughshod over people's lives and you don't, you're not listening to the Lord anymore. Somebody put it this way. There's always a danger thinking that perspiration all this hard work, can replace inspiration. Because for the person that has this gift, you, if you're not doing something practical, you think you're not doing something at all. And so prayer, just kind of waiting on the Lord, isn't equated to any progress in your life. But you can make more progress in prayer than you can finishing a task list any day of the week. Trusting in the Lord and getting directions. You want to be careful with that. Uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 is one of those passages that we cling to in ministry here. Um, When Zerubbabel was faced with the same difficulty, that time of Nehemiah, and he's looking at what a big job it was and how impossible it was, the Lord spoke to him and said, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So if you get things done without the spirit, you you really have gotten nothing done. It must be led by the spirit. And none of us are going to hit this perfectly because we're human and we make mistakes and we fall. But the goal is to be in the Spirit, following His lead and obeying Him. Number two, here's another big danger. 
for someone with this gifting. You risk lording over others. You risk lording over others. Shepherds don't lead by intimidation or by threats or by asserting power or by dropping titles or by demanding or commanding. Those are not attributes of a shepherd. We lead by example and we lead by our servanthood. And so be sure with this gifting to continually encourage those that you work with. Encourage them in what they're doing. Encourage them in the Lord so that you're not just, you don't just become a boss because you've been given a title. But the place that you are is God trusted you with this. You've been found faithful, so he's entrusted you with more. And it's not so you might become a boss and check out. Or I think the phrase that uh, is used today is you just start phoning it in. And you just start seeing people as your resources instead of the precious blood-bought men and women that are your friends and your co-laborers and that we're in this together. Number three, it's, they kind of go together. You risk using intimidation to get your way. You, you risk using intimidation. This is totally how the business world works. It's just a lot of fear, intimidation. And this is just weak, worldly leadership that has no place in the church and no place among Christian leaders. Intimidating and threatening people in order to get something done. If that's you, just stop it, repent, or get out of leadership. Uh, We don't want you here. We don't want you leading like that. That's not from the Lord. Number four, if you have this gifting, you have to be careful with getting irritated and grouchy. Or as we learned last night, grumpy or frustrated all the time because people aren't doing what you want them to do. Many times, that's a reflection on your leadership, not theirs. And if you're not careful, you'll start to project your frustrations on the people that God called you to serve. And of course, it's going to be hard. And of course, it's going to be challenging. And of course, they have something. That, of course, that's part of the package. But you have to be careful because your role from God is to bring order from chaos. So as you step into chaos, you have to be careful that that chaos doesn't get to you and doesn't frustrate you. And it will. It'll get to you. It'll rub you the wrong way. It'll, somebody doesn't do something, doesn't follow through or whatever. It'll, especially if you're working with a lot of people because there's always something to deal with. You might, you know, you just say you're working, just think of the 12 people that follow Jesus. You know, he's dealing with one thing with this guy, but then now he's got another thing. And he fixed that one, and then he's got another thing. He fixed that one, and then there's three other things. And that's just a lot. That's your life. It's never going to go away. That's why you're a leader. People, if we didn't need leadership, God wouldn't give us leaders. If he didn't, we didn't need problems solved, he wouldn't give us things, people that can solve problems. Uh, and so you can easily get frustrated because people don't think like you. And you can easily get frustrated because they don't see things like you do. You can easily get frustrated because even after you explain something to someone, they just still don't get it. And you just have to remember, this is your gifting. And you want to learn to walk in the Spirit. And one of the attributes or the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. That's long-suffering, not with circumstances, but with people. Patience. And just be patient. I know you want to get things done, but the chaos needs your help. Another word to be careful of with this gifting is that you get irritated a lot. You're irritable. But just pray that the Lord would give you patience so you could love people that you're serving. Lead them not to your flesh, 
but rather lead them to the cross of Jesus because then you'll end up there too. And then at the cross of Christ, you'll remember that he bids us to follow him by first denying ourselves. And we can't forget the cause of Christ in the church. Here's another one that might be surprising to you if you have this gift, number five. If you have this gifting, you have to be very careful because you risk getting lazy and procrastinating. There's a, there's a very difficult day. You, you risk getting lazy uh, because things come so easy for you. Because things come so easy for you, you get a new routine. You're not pressing into the things of God. You, are, you can plan things. So you can, you can run a list or you can run a task list or you can, you can follow your plans. But then what that does is develop in you a lack of diligence to keep going and to keep growing. And so you get lazy. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, if you have this gift, you need to lead with diligence. And I know, I know you get tired, and I know it gets hard, and I, I get it, but you need to press on because you're important to the body, and we don't need the people with gift of administration being lazy. And then how about putting things off? You know, because you, this is a big part of the flesh. It's kind of prideful. Procrastination is not just laziness, but there's an element of procrastination where, well, you know, I know I can get it done so quickly, so I'll just put it off. Instead of doing it now, I could do it last minute. But then what happens is, is you don't make room for emergencies. You don't make room. Like if God gave you something to get done today, then you got to get it done today because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You can't say, well, I'll get it done in two weeks. Well, you don't know what the two weeks. You, this, something may happen in the next two weeks. They're going to take your attention. take you. So you don't want to be lazy. You want to be diligent. Diligent. And isn't it interesting that some of your strengths, like you're a strong person that, that's diligent already and can plan. Isn't it interesting that some of your strengths can actually be the source of some of the worst weaknesses in your life? Where you start to lean on them instead of leaning on the Lord. It's just... And we are so complicated. Uh, maybe I'm complicated. Are you so complicated? Like, our lives just have so many layers to them that it's best to just surrender to the Lord. It's so good. Such a place of rest. Number six, another risk, is that you get tired, burned out, and then bummed out. And then we don't get to enjoy your gift. You get tired, burned out. Because you're a doer and people know it, they may dump a lot of things on you. You may come to work tomorrow morning and there's a stack of new work on your desk. Why? Because somebody sees that you're a very diligent worker. Now, it's frustrating. You don't want to do everybody's work for them. But before you get all upset and go into HR about it, just look at that stack of work and go, wow, God, you have given somebody the view that I, I get my work done. And then go into HR and say, I don't want to do everyone's work, but that's a different topic altogether. I, we were doing some leadership development. That's why I flew out to support the team in Newark uh, is to do some leadership development. They do a week of leadership development, so I did a couple classes. One of the questions that came up in the Q&A was, um, and this is important for the gift of leadership, one of the questions came up about this topic of balance. And so they were saying, you know, Pastor, how do you, how do you balance everything? How do you balance work life and home life and church life and all of that life? And, and I'm going to give you the answer I gave them, the way I gave it to them. And, and, and I'll say it this way. You may be surprised by my answer. And you may not even agree with my answer, but I ask you to consider it nonetheless. You ready? How do you handle balance? L let me just answer that. There is no such thing as balance. It doesn't exist. It, it, it doesn't exist the way that people say. 
So how do I balance? It's almost like I have 100%. So can I give 30% here and 30% there, 33% and a third percent here, and then everything's balanced. Life is not like that. And there's no such thing as balance because you can only do one thing at a time. And so when you're doing one thing at a time, that means you're not doing other things at that time. I'll give you an example. Maybe you've never considered this. But for the 90 minutes that you've invested in this worship service, the 90 minutes, we're about 60 minutes into it right now, coming to a close, the 90 minutes that you've invested, you will never get back. Never. You will never make it up. You will never, well, well, no, Ed, I've got 90 minutes planned later this afternoon so I can make up for the 90 minutes this morning. Well, that's another 90 minutes. You will never get back. You can't replace time. And, and I think the more you use the way the world in your language, the farther you drift from God. The language of the Bible, and in, in ministry in particular, in the gift of leading, here's the language of the Bible. The language of the Bible is sacrifice, not balance. It's sacrifice. God has called us to a life of sacrifice. So count the cost. Make sure you understand it's going to cost you. And this is not just the Bible thing. You know, people say things in the world and they think they made it up. They didn't make it up. I remember day, day one or week one in my macroeconomics class, they taught us something that they called the, econ, or the opportunity cost. And you live with opportunity cost every day of your life. And it's simply this. You ready? If you do A and you choose to do A, you cannot do B at the same time. A costs you B. Little economic class. You guys with me? Okay, A costs you B. It's the same in life. If you make a decision to be a place, you can't be at another place at the same time. And so there's no balance. And what happens is balance now has been another burden that's placed upon our shoulders that can be quite frustrating because I want you to know you probably have never felt in your life you've been balanced, ever. It's like one day it'll be there. One day it'll be there. It won't. If you have young kids in the, in the home, it's going to be a different cost. If your kids have moved out, it's going to be a different cost. If you're in a place where you have to work two jobs right now, it's going to come with a cost. If God has called you into leadership, it's going to come with a cost. Everything costs. So the decision is, is that I'm going to live a life of sacrifice that honors God. So instead of seeking balance, this is what Jesus said. Ready? It's a very simple life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But instead, we bought the lie, and we're going after all these things, balance, accountability, got to make this, and we're running after all these things, and we never have a peace in our heart that God, God has us exactly what we're doing, exactly when we need to do it. And somebody with the gift of leading has to understand this because it's so much and I just, the way I've interpreted over my life and over my life is this. Wherever God has me, that's where he wants me. I'm going to be faithful right there. And I'm not going to be worried about where I'm not or what I want or covetous or anything. You, and, and it helps you not to be tired. Now, I don't mean physically tired. Of course, we're all going to get physically tired. But the language of the, of the Bible, again, is not balance. The language of the Bible is, and this is, this is all elementary stuff. This is like ABCs of walking with God. You ready? Here's the language of the Bible. Work six days, 
rest the seventh. That's what God says. You're tired? Work six days and make sure you rest a day. And then our good old country added a day. Thank you very much. So work five days and rest two days. And make it meaningful rest. Not only that, but it pointed to a much greater. The Sabbath pointed to a much greater rest. And that is in all your work, in all your play, you need to learn how to rest in the Lord. Because Jesus is your Sabbath. So what did he teach us? John 15, abide in Christ. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And he takes care of those rough edges. So if you have the gift of leadership, be careful. Because you can be irritated and do so much. And then you get tired. Then you get burned out. Then you get bummed out. And before you know it, a stressed out leader will stress out everyone who works with her or him. And God doesn't want stress. He doesn't want you burned out. He doesn't want you serving to impress everybody. Just abide in Christ, rest well, and work hard, and God will honor that. In summary, God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to motivate, inspire, organize, and direct others in the work of the kingdom. Father, we pray for your spirit to take these truths. Thank you, God, ahead of time for the men and women with the gift of leadership. May you multiply their number among us. As you're doing a new thing among us and doing a new thing in our lives, in our church life, we want all of these gifts to rise up and be heard and be used so that we might in more ways be the church. So bless the men and women that are here among us today and may we exercise these gifts in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.